hospitality. I would like you to stand with me this morning, if you would. Uh, I preached thousands of times in my life, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's always easy. <laughs> uh, there are times when, when uh, you get several different thoughts running through your mind, and you pray, and you try and prepare, and then you wait until the service, and then see which direction the wind's blowing. And uh, I do feel like the Lord has given me something. I was going to speak something else, but uh, I do feel like the Lord has uh, shifted directions here. We're going to read from the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. And I'd like to read verse 11, verses 11 and 12. The Lord had taken the prophet Ezekiel out into a valley of bones and asked if he thought they could live. And the prophet very wisely said, Well, you know, Lord. And uh, he said, I want you to prophesy to these bones. And after he prophesied and the bones had come together, then he said, Prophesy to the wind. And the wind came into their lungs. We've sung that breath, that uh, he gave us the breath in our lungs, and so we've got to praise him. And so they prophesied unto the wind. And uh, now in verse 11, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. He's referring to the bones before they had come together. They essentially said, our hope is lost. We have no hope. And uh, we're cut off from our parts. All our bones are separated. They're scattered across this valley. And the Lord said in verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up uh, out of your graves and bring you to the land of Israel. As a nation, the Jewish people had been scattered all around the world. They were dead as a nation. You could say that they were just bones here and there scattered around the world. But the Lord said, I want you to prophesy they're coming back together again. Praise God. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for each person gathered together in your name, and now we ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We recognize without you we can do nothing. I'm asking that your spirit would move and touch each person. For those who are struggling, Lord, give them hope today. And we pray and ask these things in the name which is above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Will you glorify him for a moment before you're seated? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. You may be seated. It tells us in the first verse of Ezekiel 37 that the hand of the Lord, Ezekiel said, was upon me, and he carried me in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O God, thou knowest. If you were to ask the people themselves, they would say, Our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. That's what they say. But God says, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Praise God. You say that all hope is gone. But God says, I'm going to open your graves. Praise God. And I'm thankful that we have the Lord on our side here this morning. If you're here and you're feeling like you are hopeless, as though there is no uh, chance uh, in your situation, I want you to know that there is a God who brings hope. There is a God who raises people from the dead. People that uh, seem to have had their bones scattered. He's ready to bring them back together and give them hope this morning. Praise God. The Lord told them, you will live. As we know, in the year 76, the Roman Emperor Titus came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. The Jews were scattered around the world. And uh, for thousands, almost 2,000 years... Uh, they seemed to have no hope as a nation. They were persecuted in many of the countries where they went. People looked at them as being uh, uh, a lower species. And uh, they were mistreated, and it was highlighted, of course, during the Second World War when the Nazis in Germany killed six million Jews. It looked like uh, that was the end of them, that there was no hope. Sister Shalom and I were in Auschwitz uh, last October. We were in Poland for a, for a conference, and we went there. And it was a, a very tragic and sobering feeling. One whole room was filled with human hair that had been shaved. They used to take the human hair and, and weave uh, sofa covers and pillow covers and so on with the hair of the people that they had killed. Uh, there was another room filled with shoes. And they told different stories of how the people had been uh, slaughtered and killed in very, very cruel fashion. And uh, so it appeared as though there was no hope for those people, that it was the end of the line. But the Lord gave a prophecy many years before all of this happened. Even before they were scattered, He said, I'm going to bring them back together again. Hallelujah. I'm going to make them a nation again. In fact... uh, In the book of uh, Isaiah, chapter 11, and uh, reading in verse 11, uh, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 11, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again the second time to recover the remnant of His people. The first time He brought them back from Babylon. But this time He's going to bring them from around the world and he said which shall be left from Assyria 
and from Egypt and Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set them up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The Lord said, I'm going to bring them back from every place that they have gone. Those dead, dry bones that seemed like they had come to an end, I'm going to bring them back and make them into a nation again. He made this prophecy before they had even been scattered. But God knows the end from the beginning. He stands outside of time. And He can see it as a timeline from a distance. He can see the the past. He can see the future. He can see the present. He is aware of what's going to happen at any point in time. We are creatures of time, but He is not. And He said, I'm going to bring my people back together again. We're living in a time where it's actually become reality. Hallelujah. God did bring them back. And in May of of, uh, 1948, they became a nation once again. There are many in the world who still hate them. Many who would like to wipe them off the face of the earth. But God said, I'm going to give them hope. I'm going to bring them back together. Praise God. Praise God. And I believe today that the Lord also has a spiritual Israel. That is His church. Because he promised Abram, the father of the faithful. He said, uh, I'm going to uh, make your seed to be as the uh, sand of the sea and as of the, st- uh, the stars of the heavens. The sand of the sea represents earthly Israel. The stars of the heavens represent spiritual Israel. And that is the church. Because our home is not on this earth. It is in heaven. Praise God. And I'm glad to say today that each one of us have hope. It may seem like our dreams have been scattered, that they have become dry bones, and the things that we had as expectation have died, and there's no hope for us. But the Lord says today, I'm going to bring you out of your grave. Whatever your Whatever you have buried, whatever hope that you had that seemed to have gone and fled away, I'm going to bring it back together, and I'm going to raise you up and give you the hope that you need. Praise God. Praise God. You see, in Scripture, hope is not an unsure optimism. Well, I hope things turn out okay. But uh, in the Hebrew and Greek words... It is an indication of certainty. A strong and confident expectation. I have hope. Oh, things are not going real well now, but I have hope. Praise God. It's not I'm hoping it's going to turn out, but I have hope. Praise God. There is a confident expectation that God is in control in our life and in our situation and that everything is going to work out fine. Praise God. We don't have to be afraid this morning. We don't have to have doubt, but we can have confidence because God has given us hope. He has given us a promise that is sure and steadfast. Praise God. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, The Apostle Paul was talking about the hope of the believer. 
He said that we all have to die. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. But he said in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If we only have hope here, there's not a lot we can do. There's not much to hope for because we live differently than the world. And uh, yet he said, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. He came first, and then others that died are going to follow after him. Those of us that were dead in Christ were going to rise. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Through Adam, man died. But through Jesus Christ, now man is made alive. Praise God. And that's what he said in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We have hope today because Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And so we have no fear today, but we have confidence, a strong confidence, a hope that we're going to raise once again from the dead. Even if we die on this earth, it's going to be gained because He's promised us that we're going to rise again. There is hope today for the believer. There is hope in a world that seems to be in chaos, a world that's going crazy. We have hope today that we can live through all of this mess and one day rise into the heavens as He comes and blows the trumpet. We're going to rise to meet Him in the clouds of the air. Our lives are going to be changed and transformed. Praise God. Praise God. So in this life we are miserable, but because Christ is risen, we now have hope through the resurrection. If you look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, there's a very powerful scripture. In chapter 6, and beginning at verse 17, Hebrews chapter 6, starting with the 17th verse. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel that means the unchangeability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie God can't lie I was reading recently that even Allah can lie in certain areas And so my question was, how can you believe anything he says if he can lie in something? But our God cannot lie. It's impossible for our God to lie. That's one thing that's immutable, unchangeable. And because of that, we might have a strong consolation, not just a consolation, but a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. We have a strong consolation that we can lay hold of, that we can grab uh, and hold firmly to today. And in verse 19 he said, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, 
both sure and steadfast. Hallelujah. You can't move it. This hope that we have is like an anchor. It's a hope because He made it, we can make it. Praise God. He gave us that promise. And today we have a hope. I'm not looking towards the end of my life. I'm 66, be 67 in a few months. But there is no fear in my heart of dying and, and what the future holds. Because I have hope today. Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And I'm living for Him and I've got hope. Praise God. I wouldn't want to be out in the world just uh, wondering what the future's going to be. But I'm glad that I can have hope today. In serving Him and following after Him. Praise God. And so this hope we have is an anchor of the soul. Even when the wind is blowing, if a ship has been anchored, it may move just a little bit, but it's basically there. The ship that is not anchored can be blown from here to there and hit the rocks and, and, and be destroyed. But we have an anchor to the, stole, to the soul that is steadfast and sure. Praise God, and which entereth into that within the veil. I'm so thankful this morning that we have hope. Praise God. It is a sure and steadfast hope. In the book of Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Romans, uh, at Rome rather, and uh, he said in verse 18, Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We may be going through some hardships right now. And you may feel like, what's the point of all of this? Is there really any hope? Is there really anything to look forward to? And uh, Paul said, we may reckon the sufferings of this present time Uh, are not very comfortable, but he said they are not worthy to be compared to the glory, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the stuff we're going through now is so minute compared to the glory we're going to receive. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of God, of the sons of God. We are earnestly waiting for the manifestation when we're going to be changed and transformed. Verse 20, for that creature, or for the creature was made subject to vanity, that is our human flesh, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. We would rather not be in this flesh suffering the things that we suffer. But he said, uh, the Lord has subjected us to this so that we can have hope. Because in verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The whole creation, even the earth, is groaning through earthquakes and through typhoons and through all kinds of things that are going on in the world. There are financial crises. There there are uh, plagues that uh, sweep through uh, different nations and around the world. There are many things that bring pain and suffering in this world now. And so the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. 
Verse 23, And not only they, but yourselves or ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We're waiting for that time. We're groaning within ourselves, waiting for that time when we're going to be changed. But then he said in verse 24, For we are saved by hope. Hope keeps us going on. Even when it's terrible in our lives. Even when everything is going wrong and it feels very chaotic. Hope says, this isn't the end. I'm going to keep going. Praise God. I may have fallen, but I'm going to get up again. And I'm going to keep going. I'm thankful that we serve a God that gives us hope. Praise God. I've been in countries where they've had other gods. And you see the, the despair on the looks, uh, on the faces of the people that follow those gods. There is no hope. But I'm glad that we serve a God of hope today. Hallelujah. He's promised us we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear all of the trials and tribulations of this world because we have hope. Praise God. One day we're going to rise in power and we're going to be changed into His likeness. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But if we hope for that, we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. It's not hard to wait for something that you know definitely is coming. If you're not sure, well, I hope I'll be saved. That's not going to bring a whole lot of comfort. But you can endure a lot of things if you know you're going to be saved. And I'm glad that I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Hallelujah. I have confidence in Him. And because of that, I have hope today. Praise God. In the book of Genesis chapter 50, Joseph had... uh, the young man who had had some dreams and was taken into Egypt captive, rose to become the prime minister of the nation of Egypt, had saved uh, basically the world by his plan for preparing for a famine that was to come. Now he was old and he was ready to die. And it tells us in Genesis chapter 50, beginning at verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph said, I'm going to die now, but uh, I want to give you an assurance that God is going to take you home again. You're going to go back to the land that God promised our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says in verse 25, And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. He said, I am so confident that God is going to visit you and take you back home that I want you to take my bones with you when you go. 
And so Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, just think about this for a moment. If you visit Egypt today, there are huge pyramids that are built for kings and famous personalities of the ancient Egypt, Egyptian world. That's how they buried themselves. There was an expectation that they were going to be there for a long time, and they have been for thousands of years. But Joseph said, I don't want a pyramid. I want you to put my bones in a coffin. Because the day is coming when you're going to go back to the land of promise, and I want you to carry my dead bones with you. Hallelujah. I don't want you to leave them here in Egypt. <laughs> They've been scattered around the valley. But I want you to know that I'm going, you're going back home, and I want you to take my bones with you. And it tells us that after 400 years of slavery in the land of Egypt, and the world, uh, that's a type of the world which is where we are. It's a place of sin and, and where people are, are slaves to sin. But uh, he said, you're going to get out of that one of these days. And when you do, I want you to take my bones with you. And so 400 years later in the book of Exodus chapter 13... Exodus, the 13th chapter. And reading in verse 19. This is when Moses, now the new leader of Israel, he's uh, gone before the Pharaoh and uh, has said, I'm taking my, my people out of here. And it says in verse 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph, Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence from you. Praise God. He said, 400 years ago, our forefather Joseph said, we were supposed to take his bones with him. And we're going home, folks, and his bones are coming with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have hope today. We have hope. God gives us a promise. He is faithful and just, and He will keep the promise which He gives us. Because God does not lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. He's promised us that one day we're going to be taken out of this world. That the trumpet of God is going to sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those old bones are going to come together from around the world. Hallelujah. Wherever they've been. If they've been buried in the sea. If they've been buried in the Arctic. If they've been buried in some desert. They're going to rise and come together. Because today we have hope. Hallelujah. 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 In the book of Titus, chapter 2. Titus, chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. The Apostle Paul said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is why it said in, in Corinthians that we would be of all men most miserable because, well, there's no fun. 
But why do we do it? Verse 13. Actually, I don't know where the people get the idea there is no fun. I've served the Lord all my life, and I have been to dozens of countries. I've been around the world probably 25, 30 times. I've seen all kinds of things and places. Just serving the Lord. And you tell me that this is boring? Came to the wrong boy. Hallelujah. We serve a God that's great, and He takes care of us. You may not all be able to travel like we have, but He'll give you a good life too. Praise God, because He gives us hope. But then He said in verse 13, We serve the Lord. Why? Because looking for that blessed hope. It's not just a hope, but it's a blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify uh, unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Praise God. We have hope today because we serve Him. We follow what He's asked us to do. And that gives us hope. We have a confidence that He is coming for those who serve Him and seek after Him. Verse 14, Who gave Himself for us that, we might re- that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us. Praise God. And I'm thankful that we can be made pure because that gives us a hope that we can live in a heaven that is pure. Praise God. A heaven that uh, no unrighteous and evil thing can enter. In the book of Job, chapter 19, Job was a man that was being tormented. Uh, in his body, he had lost all of his children, his wealth in just one day. His wife had said, curse God and die. His friends came against him and said, you actually must have been a real terrible sinner, so now God's punishing you. And uh, uh, he was covered in boils. Everything that could go wrong would go wrong. Sometimes people ask you, have you ever had one of those days? Well, Job had one of them. And it wasn't very pleasant. But he said in Job chapter 19 and verse 25, as his friends were uh, talking against him, he said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. He hadn't heard anything about the resurrection, but there was something in his spirit that resonated with this. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. My Redeemer is going to stand at the last time on the earth. He's coming down to where we are. In another place, he said, I go forward and I can't see him. I I go backwards and I don't find him there. I go to the right hand, to the left. I can't find him anywhere. But he said, I know that my Redeemer is alive. I don't feel too good right now. Things are not going well for me. But I I can sense that something is going to happen. And I know that He is alive and that He will stand at the latter day upon the earth. And then in verse 26, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Even though the worms are going to eat my flesh and I'm just going to have bones lying in the grave. He said, yet in my flesh shall I see God. I am going to see Him in my flesh. In other words, my bones are coming together again. 
the flesh is going to come together on those bones. Praise God. I'm going to see God myself, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another. It's not somebody else who's going to see me in that condition. I'm going to see it with my own eyes. I'm going to see my God face to face. I'm going to see my Redeemer. I'm going to see the one who has pardoned and saved me. He said, though my reins be consumed within me, even though this flesh is totally destroyed now, one day I'm going to see my God. I'm going to see my Redeemer because I have hope. Praise God. The Lord has promised us hope if we would seek Him and live for Him with all of our hearts. In the book of Acts, chapter 27, the Apostle Paul was being taken as a prisoner to Rome. He was on a ship. He had warned them that they should uh, harbor at a certain place for the winter, but the uh, captain was anxious to move on, and and so they uh, began their journey, and a terrible storm called Euryclidon rose up and was casting the ship uh, to and fro. And it tells us in verse 19 and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship they begin to throw everything overboard even things that normally would be considered essential in verse 20 and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us all hope that we should be saved was taken away They'd been for many days in this condition. The wind was not letting up. It was blowing the ship here and there. They had lightened it. And yet uh, they were being tossed to and fro. And it said that all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me and not have loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. He said, you should have paid attention to me in the first place. But then in verse 22, now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Cheer up, everyone. What do you mean? The wind's blowing us here and there. We're being cast about. Our lives seem to be ready to be made as a shipwreck. We're going to die. But he said, be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. No one on this ship is going to die. The ship itself will go down, but everybody here is going to make it. Praise God. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. I serve a God who gives me hope. Even though this old ship is being cast around and knocked to and fro, we have hope. Hallelujah. We may go through the storms of life. We may face things and wonder if there is hope. But I thank God that we have an anchor today. A hope that is steadfast and sure. We have a confidence in a God who's able to take us through the storm. 
And Paul said, not one of you is going to die. Every one of you is going to make it if you'll keep your eyes on him. Hallelujah. 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 Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Praise God. I have hope. Praise God. I have hope today. Thank God for the hope that He gives. And it tells us that the ship did cast up on the rocks and was destroyed, but every one of them made it to the land safely. In closing, I'd like to read one more scripture in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, the fourth chapter, and beginning at... uh, Verse 35. Mark 4 and 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto him, that is his disciples, Jesus was talking to them, he said, uh, let us pass over to the other side. Everything that the Lord tells us has purpose. He doesn't waste any words at all. We waste words, but and sometimes say very foolish things. But God never wastes words. And he said to his disciples, let's pass over to the other side. Seemed very inconsequential at the moment that he said it. But in verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships so he said to his disciples we're going to get in our ship and head back across the sea of Galilee and it said that there were a lot of other little ships with him Uh, these were people that loved to see his miracles they loved to see the to see it when he fed the the multitude the 5,000 and and, and all of those kind of wonderful... He, they loved that. But they knew that sometimes he said some things that they didn't really like. And so they wanted to go in their own little ship. So that if Jesus was saying something good, then they could be near him. But if he said something they didn't like, they could just push off and go their own way. And there are a lot of people like that today. They like to be near the ship as long as things are going the way they want them. But the moment something starts to go wrong, they want to push off and go their own way. The moment they hear something they don't like, well, let's move and change churches. Let's move and do this, or let's move and do that. And uh, so that's the attitude many people have. But it tells us in verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. The boat they were in, the the ship they were in, was absolutely filled with water. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep, on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They weren't worried about him, they were worried about themselves. Don't you care that we're going to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a 
great calm. Usually you use the word great in conjunction with a lot of action going on. A great noise, a great this or great that. But here it was a great calm. And that's what the Lord brings to those that have hope in Him is a great calm in the middle of the storm. Right in the middle of that storm, he breaks a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What happened to your hope? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Bible did not originally have chapters and verses, and so it was cut off there. But that's not really the end of the story. Because in chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, And they came over to the other side. Well, that's what Jesus said they were going to do. Come, let us go to the other side. Oh, he didn't tell them there was going to be a big storm. He didn't tell them there was going to be all kinds of chaos for a while. But he just said, we're going to the other side. And so it says, they came to the other side. God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Whatever he says is going to happen. And he said, we're going to the other side. I don't know what happened to the other little ships, whether they went down. Very likely. Because it was a terrible storm. And Jesus' disciples, many of them were fishermen. They were accustomed to these kind of storms and they were afraid. They were greatly worried and concerned. And there has appeared to be a bigger ship than some of the other ones. So I would imagine a lot of those ships went down in the storm. But when you're in the ship with Jesus, and he said, we're going to the other side. Hallelujah. Just stay in the boat with him. You have hope. You're going to make it to the other side. Get in the boat. Stay in the boat. Hallelujah. Oh, I've been through a lot of storms in my life. Things that I didn't think I could hardly make it through. And then I remembered, well, I'm not really the one who's guiding this ship. I have hope. I know that I can make it to the other side. I've got one who's going to take me there. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. He's guiding my ship. And because of that, I have hope. Would you stand with me this morning?